You are listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. For more information about our church, please visit www.hopechurchipswich.net. So what today we're going to be looking at a, a part of the biblical account of Christmas. Um, that probably isn't you know, what we would normally, be look, what we normally look at. Um, it's um, not the, the traditional text, if you like. We're going to be looking at the, the bit of Christmas that comes before the bit in the stable and the manger. And we're going to be looking at the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth. And I love this story. It moves me. It really genuinely moves me. And the reason it does is because I think it just demonstrates to me actually what Christmas is about. It demonstrates the frailty of man, the need of man. But in it, you also see the amazing, deep love of God. And he doesn't just stop there. He doesn't just love us. He actually breaks in. He gets involved in people's lives, in their personal circumstances. And I love it. So let's read it. So it's going to come up on the board. Uh, it's quite a bit here, but I think it's really important to read you know, this, this, whole, this whole text. It's, you just get the real feel for it. So Luke chapter 1, verse 5. In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah, who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah, His wife Elizabeth was also a descendant of Aram, so they were a priestly family. And both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless, because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Once when Zechariah's division was on duty, and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. And when the time for the burning of incense came, all the assembled worshippers were praying outside the temple. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, Don't be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. And he will be a joy and delight to you. And many others will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord, in brackets, Jesus. Zechariah asked the angel, well, how, how, can, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. My wife is well along in, li- in years. The angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. <laughs> I stand in the presence of God, you banana. I added that bit. And I have been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. And now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens, because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. When he came out, he couldn't speak. They realized that he'd seen a vision, for he kept making signs to them and remained unable to speak. When his time of service was completed, he returned home. And after this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant, and for five months she remained in seclusion. She said, The Lord has done this for me. In these days he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. 
Now, jumping to verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard, I like that, <laughs> heard, she'd given birth to a son, that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mum spoke up and said, no, he's to be called John. And they said to her, but there's no one in your family called John. And then they made signs to Zechariah to find out what he wanted to name the child. And he asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote John. His name is John. And immediately, Zechariah's mouth was opened, and his tongue set free, and he began to speak, praising God. All the neighbors were filled with awe. And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, what then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. So who was this Zechariah? Well, Zechariah was one of 18,000 priests at the time of Israel, at the time of uh, writing in Israel. And he served in the temple at Jerusalem. And as a priest, twice a year, he would get the privilege to actually go and serve at the temple. But only once in his lifetime would he actually get the, the absolute privilege and chance to go and offer uh, the offering, the daily offering, at the altar of incense. And the Jews really believed that this is where God dwelt. This was the holiest of holiest places. This was a big deal for Zechariah. And Zechariah and Elizabeth, as we've heard, they were from a priestly family. Um, they were godly, righteous people. And they were soon to be parents of a son, John. And some of you, would, most of you would have probably heard that, you know, of John the Baptist. Well, this was the John. And John the Baptist was set aside uh, by God to live a life devoted to God. And he lived an ascetic life in the desert. You read later on in the Bible, he wore camel's hair. He had the diet of locusts and honey. I don't know, out of choice or just because that's all he could find, not sure. But he was a special man, set aside by God, filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. And he was called. He had a calling on his life. And his calling was to, make, was to prepare a way, make a way for Jesus, the Lord, to come, the Messiah to come. And through history, there had been many prophets through the history of Israel, and they had all talked about this Messiah, this anointed one, this person who was going to be coming. And I suppose the unique thing about John is, is that he was also a prophet who was making a way for this Messiah, but he actually met Jesus. You'll recall the story where Jesus uh, went to get baptized and John was to baptize him. And John said, hang on a moment, I can't baptize you. You know, I can't even, I'm not even worthy to tie your shoelaces. But, you know, nevertheless, uh, John baptized Jesus. So that was a bit of context. That's who these people were. Now, I don't know about you, but Christmas is often a time, isn't it, of great longing. And, uh, you know, uh, certainly when I was a kid growing up, you know, you're kind of absolutely desperate, aren't you, for Christmas to come. I remember clearly, I remember it was a hot sunny day, <laughs> and asking my mum, mum, how long is it until Christmas? It's like four months. <laughs> okay, right. Um, but I remember my sister and I, one, one Christmas Eve also, uh, we had all these crackers, and my mum and dad went out to um, deliver presents, and uh, as you can imagine, all hell broke loose, you know. So we, uh, un we undid all the crackers. We, we got all the presents out and wrapped them up again as if nothing had ever happened, you know. We were so excited, so desperate, longing for Christmas Day to come. 
And I love this story because in it, it describes longing. It describes two people who had a great longing. On a human level, Zechariah and Elizabeth, they, they longed for a child. They couldn't have a child. And what considerable heartache that must have caused them. You get a, a glimpse, a flavor of that in one of Elizabeth's comments. When she realizes that she's finally pregnant, she says, the Lord has done this for me. In these days, he's shown me great favor and taken away my disgrace among the people. You know, in those days, if you couldn't have children, if you couldn't conceive, often it was thought that you'd sinned, you'd done something wrong. You, you know, were in effect getting what you had deserved from God. And this is how shameful it was for Elizabeth. But God had broken in, and she was longing. They had been longing for change. But on a bigger, global, spiritual level, Zechariah was a Jewish priest. Uh, he was an educated man. He knew the scriptures, uh, the scriptures that were soon to be our Bible, like the back of his hand. And the Jews were waiting for a deliverer, a Messiah, someone who would come and save them. They were waiting for a king-priest, who would lead them as a people, the Messiah. Now, Messiah is a Hebrew word, which means anointed one. And to the Jews, this Messiah would come and rescue them from oppression, whatever that oppression was at the time. At this particular time, it was the Romans. They were longing for freedom to be their own nation again. But they were also waiting for this Messiah to come and bring them into a deeper, more personal relationship with God. The Messiah would deliver them deliver Israel from her enemies, restore Israel as a nation, you know, their own identity again. The Messiah would rule righteously over his people. He would root out sin. This is what they were hoping for, believing for, longing for. The Messiah would make Israel a holy nation where God dwelt in the center. The Messiah would be an intermediary between God and man, would be like a middleman between God and man. And crucially, that this Messiah would have to come from the line of King David. And they were longing, waiting for this to happen. And there have been prophecies about this person over the, over the centuries. And you see glimpses of, of, of what this is going to be like, this, this, this person, this Messiah, and this new era that he's going to bring is going to be like. And uh, Zechariah, uh, Zechariah would have known about these prophecies. He would have known these stories and he would have been longing in his heart for this change, this, this Messiah to come, to usher in a new era. Jeremiah, who's a, a prophet, who prophesied about this Messiah, about this new era, 700 years before the events that we read about this morning, prophesied this. He said, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God." And they shall be my people, for I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. And Jeremiah, in this prophecy, refers to the covenant that was made between God and man, God and Abraham, who is the father of the Jewish race of Israel. And God told Abraham that, that, that he would have a people to himself. He would have a special people set apart for him. And the Jews had had glimpses of it, but they didn't have it at this point, and they were waiting longing for that day when the Messiah would come and that covenant promise would be fulfilled and these prophecies would be fulfilled and this new era would be ushered in. And in fact, the very ceremony that Zechariah was performing on that day wouldn't, would be obsolete, wouldn't need to happen because God would be dwelling 
amongst his people. And the last time God has spoken to them was about 400 years before that. And so there was silence. There was nothing from God. They were longing for this. But what did Zechariah do? He was faithful. He was godly. He was righteous. He persevered. He carried on fulfilling his priestly duties, waiting, longing, yearning for God to speak through the silence on many levels. And I would say to you this morning, you know, what are you longing for this morning? Maybe like Zechariah and Elizabeth, you are longing for a breakthrough in your life. You know, is there an area in your life where you just long for God to break in? Maybe like them, you, you would like a child, a partner, a change of circumstances, job. I don't know. Maybe, you know, it's caused you immense pain over the, over the years. Or maybe like Zechariah and the wider Jewish nation, you're longing for a spiritual breakthrough, a spiritual awakening. Maybe you're on a personal journey. You're curious. You want to know, you know, what is this God all about? What's Jesus about? What's Christmas about? You want to know more, you know. I just want to know more. I'm longing to know more. Or maybe you already know Jesus, but actually you just feel that you want to go deeper, that you want to hear his voice clearly. Maybe your heart's cry, you're longing for this town to be broken into, this nation to be saved, people in this world, family members. God, please break into their lives. And I think Christmas for many, let's be honest, can be actually be quite a miserable time, can't it? It'll be a time of sadness because actually it reminds us of all the things that we haven't got, of longing delayed, of heartfelt desires crushed. And the good news this morning is, is that actually Christmas brings the opposite. If you are relying on the Christmas out there in the world, then you will be crushed. Those, those longings will not be fulfilled. But we have the opposite here this morning. Christmas brings hope. Christmas is a reminder that actually God hears our cries. He knows our needs. He meets our needs. And he deeply, deeply loves us. So there was longing and yearning and silence from God. And then bang! I woke you up. (laughs) Out of the silence, God broke in. And this is what Christmas is about, isn't it? God breaking into this world. God not letting the status quo remain. God not letting sin and death ruin our lives and the world any longer. God making a way possible for us to know him through the promised Messiah, Jesus. We sing, we sang this morning. We sing about Emmanuel at Christmas, don't we? It's a Hebrew word for God with us. And what would be the most logical way for God to reach us humans? But to come as a human in humility, in servanthood, in love, in great mercy, and reach out to us. And that is what Christmas is about. Emmanuel, God with us. Now, I don't know what Christmas morning is like in your household. In our household, you know something's going down, okay? So, about half four when you're lying in bed, you've been up late, desperately trying to wrap the presents, (laughs) okay? Unlike some of the people in this room. And, uh, you know, you're tired, you're lying there, and then there's a knock on the door. Dad? Dad? Is it Christmas yet? (laughs) Go back to bed! And then you realize it's Christmas, and you think, oh, God, be happy. Happy Christmas! (laughs) And in this story... God suddenly breaks through. Something is happening, isn't it? 
on a human level, Zechariah and Elizabeth's greatest desire was to happen. They were to have a child. All those years of longing, waiting, yearning, it was to happen. But on a wider, spiritual, global level, Zechariah was told that his son would be born. And his son would actually be born on a mission to make a, a, a people ready, prepared for the Lord. And in, Messiah's, uh, sorry, in Zechariah's mind, that only meant one thing, the Messiah was soon to come. This new era that he'd been longing for, yearning for, was about to happen, and his son was going to be involved in it. God had spoken and was acting out of the silence. And you see a glimpse of this. Zechariah, he can't stop himself. He's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he prophesies about what this new era will bring. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed, saved his people. And he has raised up a horn, which means king of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. Remember that covenant between God and Abraham. He's remembering it again. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. Who would achieve this? The Messiah would achieve this. Who was this Messiah to be? Well, to Zechariah, he was excited. It was, um, his son was going to be involved. His son was chosen to be, the, to be the person preparing a way for this Messiah. Who was this Messiah? Jesus. Jesus was this Messiah. Everything this new era promised would be fulfilled by Jesus. This new covenant, this new era would be fulfilled by Jesus. And what we live in today in this, as Christians in this church is in this new era as followers of Jesus. We're a holy nation now. You know, it's not just for Israel. This isn't just about the salvation of one nation state. No, this is about the salvation of many, beyond race, beyond um, borders, beyond cultures. We are all a holy nation. Jesus has delivered us from our enemies. We don't have to worry about the Philistines and the Canaanites, Ammonites or whatever, the Romans anymore. No. We've been delivered from our enemies. And they are sin and death and decay and shame and guilt and the evil powers that war against us. In the new era, in this new covenant, we are delivered from our enemies. Jesus has restored our relationship with God. God dwells within us. We don't rely on a priest anymore. Jesus is the intermediary between us and God. Jesus, the Prince of Priests, brings peace to our lives and to our situations. Jesus rules over us in righteousness. We are no longer slaves to sin. We are slaves to righteousness. In him, we are right before God. Jesus is making us holy. He's preparing us for when he returns and we will be with him in glory. This is the new era. This is what they were waiting for. The Israelites were waiting for for centuries, centuries, centuries. And this is the moment when God decided to break in and bring hope to a lost human race. And this is what Christmas is about, my friends. It's not about a greyhound giving a present to a robin. No, this is what Christmas is about. It's about Jesus the Messiah coming. And I love, I absolutely love Zechariah's response. It just reassures me. It's so human. How shall I, how shall I know this? For I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. It's so, so apt, isn't it, for our society? I need evidence. What about this issue? What about that problem? And I love the angel's response even more. 
You can almost hear the weariness and disbelief in his voice, can't you? I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I love that bit. And I will challenge you all this morning. How will you respond to God this morning? How will you respond to God at this Christmas? You know, Christmas is a time, isn't it, of silent planning. Now, in my family, my mum and dad both speak Arabic. My sister and I don't. So they used to discuss the Christmas list in Arabic, which was so annoying, you know. <laughs> it's just like, never found out. I, I came home the other, the other day, and Lauren said, Dad, stop there. Don't look in that bag. And then scurried off upstairs. And uh, then I was given the all clear to enter into my own house, you know, which was nice. So... Um, You know, Christmas is a time, isn't it, where people are planning. You're planning, silently planning, you know, secrets, whisperings in the corner. And many theologians have theorized, haven't they, and speculated and surmised. You know, why did Jesus come in the time he came? And, you know, there was one ruler, the Romans, one one commercial language, one government, good transport links for the gospel to spread. And, of course, they're all... Perfectly valid reasons, and who am I to question learned historians and theologians? But at the end of the day, the answer is in the passage. It says that Jesus came when the time was appointed and chosen by God. And Isaiah 55 verse 8 says, God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways. And it's a fool's game to second-guess God, isn't it? Lamentation says that the Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. It's good that one should wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. And in this story, God had been planning. We're not to know the exact reasons why. I mean, you know, I'm sure Zechariah and Elizabeth would have loved to have had their kids, you know, 20, 30 years earlier when they had a bit more energy, maybe, I don't know. But God had been planning. God's purposes and ways were right and now was the time to start his saving plan and you can be assured this morning that God is planning for your life he's planning he knows what's going on in this crazy world it's bonkers it's been a bonkers year isn't it he knows about it he's planning he knows what's going on in your accounts he knows the spreadsheets or the lack of spreadsheet (laughs) he knows your job situation he knows your family situation the list goes on and I love the story of Joseph in the Bible where, you know, he, if you, he, I'll remind you of it quickly. He was sold by his brothers into slavery. He was falsely accused. He was put in prison. He was forgotten. And then through a dream, interpretation of a dream that he had, Pharaoh then put him in second in command of Egypt. There was a famine in the land. His brothers needed food. They came to him and said, we need some food. They didn't realize it was Joseph. And then when they did realize, they were like, uh-oh, big mistake. What's he going to do to us? But I love Joseph's response. He said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And no doubt millions of lives were saved. And Joseph could see the bigger agenda. He probably couldn't see God's agenda when he was stuck down a well, half dead. He couldn't see God's agenda when he was being falsely accused. He couldn't see God's agenda when he was in prison, rotting away. But now, when God had graciously broken in, he could see God's agenda. And when we go through, through things in life, when our long, longings for change are, are so strong, you know, when it's difficult to understand 
why things are happening and, and or why aren't they happening? And if they are happening, why are they happening in the way they are happening? I just want to say to you this morning, God has not forgotten you. He's planning for you out of his great love. But his ways are not your ways. And as Christians, as people of this new era, this new covenant, we are now caught up in God's agenda. And when he plans for us, it's not just about you. He's actually thinking of the greater picture. His glory, the saving of many souls, your ongoing holiness and growth, and getting you ready for Jesus' return. And Joseph was a stronger and wiser man because of the journey that God had taken him on. He needed that, and he got there. <clears throat> so this Christmas, as I close, do you have a longing? Do you have a yearning? Do you want God to break into a situation in your life? Well, the good news is that God is not unaware of your longings, of your yearnings. He knows your secret thoughts and desires, and he's been planning for you, and he has a plan for you. And as I was praying and preparing for this message, I felt that God put three groups of people on my heart. And we're going to have some prayer at the end. So if you want to respond, then please do on the last song, you know, come up. Get prayed for this morning. Don't wait. I think the first type of person here is someone, are people who have a personal longing. You know, you, like Zechariah and Elizabeth, just wish God would break into something in your life. And this isn't glib. I'm not just, I don't mean this glibly. This is true based on my own personal experience. Jesus is able to change your circumstances. Wherever Jesus went, he changed lives. He healed people. He freed people. He forgave people. He provided for people. He gave people wisdom. And the same is true today. And then the second type of people, I think you're on a spiritual journey. Like the Jews, you're, you're waiting for, you know, they were waiting for a Messiah for a new era, and you're similar in a sense that you just want to know God more closely. You are on a journey, and you just wish that you could be closer, hear his voice more clearly. Well, the good news is, is that if you know Jesus, everything has been made done uh, to make that possible. Everything has been done to make that possible. Ephesians 2 says, We have been made alive together with Christ, raised up with him in the heavenly places. Colossians 2 says, we have been brought to fullness in Jesus, buried, but then raised into a new life, new creations in Christ. You don't need to go to a revival meeting. You don't need to go to a conference to know Jesus closer. You can know him closer now, this morning. In Christ, you are forgiven. I love what John said, because this is exactly what I'm going to say. You're free from condemnation. You're free from the power of sin and evil. You've been made righteous, holy, given purpose, able to, to daily enter into the presence of God. You can be daily filled with the Holy Spirit. And you can live in this spiritual fullness today. And if you want that, come and get prayed for. Don't hold back. And then the third person type of people are here who are on a spiritual journey. You're curious. You just want to know more about God, you're interested, what's Christmas about, what's Jesus about, what's all the fuss about? Well, the good news is, is you're in the right place, because you can meet Jesus this morning. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said, I am the life, I give you life. I am the truth, I am ultimate truth. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. 
and I will satisfy your spiritual hunger. Jesus said, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will eat with you. What he means by that, I'll have a a relationship with you. He doesn't push himself on us. He graciously knocks. All you have to do is open the door this morning. So during this Christmas period, in the midst of presents, of turkey, of lights, of baubles, of greyhounds giving presents to squirrels, or, or no, other birds and squirrels with Christmas hats on and whatever else is going on out there in the world, rejoice. Because if you hate it, you're free from it. <laughs> if you like it, just go with it. Have fun. <laughs> but rejoice, because it's not what Christmas is about. Christmas is a time when we're reminded that Emmanuel has come. Jesus has come. And God now dwells with us. And our deepest desires and longings are met through Jesus. Now, I'm going to pray in a second, but I just want to finish by reading one of those prophecies that Zechariah would have been really familiar with from Isaiah 9. And what this does is it describes Jesus. It describes Emmanuel. It describes this new era that we're living in now. And then I'm going to pray. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. For to us a child is born, Jesus. To us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. All authority is on Jesus' shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. He's wise, mighty God. He's powerful, everlasting Father. He's your Father. He loves you. Prince of Peace, he can bring you peace this morning. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. It will be eternal. It will go on forever. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice. He will bring justice to you, righteousness. He will make you right from that time on and forevermore. Let me pray. Yeah, Lord Jesus, thank you for all that you are to us. Thank you that you are the Prince of Peace. Thank you that you have made us righteous before God. Thank you that you are mediating between us and God. Thank you that in you we we have fullness, we have life, we have freedom. And thank you that we can be free from this worldview of Christmas because we know that Christmas is about you and you are in the center of our lives, in the center of our church. And we rejoice and we thank you for that, God. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. And I pray for freedom for people this morning, God. I pray that people will respond to this. I pray that people who are searching for you will know you closer. I pray, Father, that for breakthrough in people's lives, in situations where they are longing for you to break in, please bring that this morning, I pray, in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Hope Church Ipswich. Please feel free to make a copy of this content, but please do not edit the content in any way.